As you're seated this morning, I want to just point out that our kids will stay with us in worship today rather than being dismissed for kids crew because it is the fourth Sunday of the month. We have provided what we call a children's worship bulletin. If you uh, on either side of the door when you, when you came in, if you're coming from the, the, the other parts of our facility this morning on these black pedestals, there are what you just see from where you're seated perhaps is a, what looks like a stack of white papers. That's a, that's a kid's worship bulletin that actually it connects with our passage of scripture in Exodus chapter three that we're gonna study together today. If you didn't get one of those on the way in, it would be okay, parents, to send them to go get one now if you want to do that, because it would be a way that the kids might be able to connect with us as we study in Exodus chapter 3. So let me encourage you to turn your Bible to Exodus chapter 3 this morning. I mentioned earlier during our welcome time that we're working our way through the Bible this year with what we're calling Redemption Story. It's a journey through the Bible as we study together and read together through the Bible. Let me encourage you, if you are not already participating with us in our Bible reading plan, Get in, jump in. There's a couple of ways that you can connect. The easiest way is on the way out the door this morning. If you go through our foyer on the white chest that is on the, the west side of our foyer, there's a stack of, uh, of copies of a Bible reading plan that, we are, that we're using. It's the same Bible reading plan that we're drawing the passages from each week, something from our reading. And so you can, you can grab a copy of that Bible reading plan. You can follow along with us as we're working our way through. You may think, well, man, it's, we're, we're almost through January and, and I'd, be, I'd be late getting in so what, honestly? Get it and, and start anyway. You could choose to just start with today and you could start make today day one and you start in Genesis chapter one and read from today or perhaps you get it and you just pick up with what would be the text for today and you just keep working your way through. Whatever you may want to do, however you may want to engage, just let me encourage you to read with us as we work our way through the Bible. I think that nothing well, I, I'm going to back off that statement a little bit because it's a big statement. Uh, this will bless you in a tremendous way. I was going to say nothing else would bless you like reading through the Bible. And I don't know, that seems maybe a little bit too uh, like I know everything if I, if I make that statement and stand by it. But I, I, I do believe, and I'll stand by this, that in my life, nothing has, has instructed my faith or taught me or deepened my understanding of God's work in my life more than reading the scripture, making that a habit of reading through the Bible, reading through the scripture, understanding how God worked through the scripture, how he's using that to mold and shape me and my obedience, his, his work in my life. And I would encourage you to do the same. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to have the answers to everything. In fact, I don't have the answers to everything. And I've got a terminal degree in Bible stuff, right? I mean, I've got a doctoral degree in Bible. And all the time when I read the Bible, I'm looking things up and what's this and what's that mean? So it's just, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to understand and know everything. But I promise you, if you will, if you will make this a part of your daily discipline and a habit, God will use it in a profound way in your life. And so we're working our way through the Bible. This year today will be in Exodus chapter 3. This is the story of Moses and how God spoke to him through the burning bush. Now, many of us, when we think of Moses, we think of Charlton Heston. Am I right? You think of that iconic portrayal of the character Moses from Charlton Heston in the 1956 movie, The Ten Commandments. I was reading a little bit about that movie this week. Did you know that the reason, at least part of the reason why Charlton Heston was cast in the lead role of Moses by Cecil DeMille in 
the movie The Ten Commandments is because DeMille thought that he, that he bore a striking resemblance to the famous, uh, the famous artist Michelangelo's statue of Moses. And so DeMille thought that Heston looked like the statue of Moses, and so he cast him to play Moses in the movie, of course. Uh, as Heston was iconic in that role, and he, he won... Uh, well, I don't know that he actually won, but he was nominated for a Golden Globe. And, and, and of course, to this day, when we think of Moses, many of us, that's what we think of. We think of him in that role, in that movie, what an iconic thing it was. And although it was a great portrayal of Moses, what I hope that you would understand about this guy, Moses, and maybe you've connected these dots if you've been reading through the story of Moses, reading through Exodus with us even this past week, is that Moses is a unique guy, but he's a complicated character. I mean, if you were going to write in terms of like character and character development and, and those kind of things, Moses is a really unique guy because Moses's life begins in a, a, a very, a, a very, um, well, in a, in a very precarious way, he's born during a time when the Hebrews were very much under the thumb of the Egyptians living in the land of Egypt. And not only that, the Pharaoh issued a decree that there, there were essentially there were too many. There were too many uh, Hebrews. They were, they were multiplying and, and, and their population growth was happening at too fast a rate. And so Pharaoh issues a decree that they are to cast young Hebrew boys into the Nile River. And they, he issued this decree. Well, we read in the story, you read through Exodus, that, that Moses' parents didn't do that with him, at least not right away. But then at the age of several months old, they placed him in a basket. They put him in the Nile River, and he was discovered there by the daughter of the Pharaoh who who raised Moses in her, own, in her own house as one of her sons. And you go on and you, and you read the story of, of Moses' life and, and his development, and there's no question the way that Moses is, his story is told to us, there's no question that God has his hand on Moses' life, that God plans to use Moses in a powerful way. In fact, really, we could say in, in so many ways, Moses is the central character of the first five books of the Old Testament, what we refer to as the Pentateuch or the law, sometimes these, uh, the, the, the Tanakh, as if, if you're Hebrew, that's what they would refer to that as, these first five books, that Moses is the central character, not only the story, but even as the storyteller, because tradition tells us that it's Moses who actually wrote down what we have related to us in these first five books of the Bible. And so what we know of the creation story and what we know of those early characters, actually we know by way of Moses and how Moses shared those things with us as the Holy Spirit inspired him to write these words of Scripture. But what we see in, in Moses' life, God has uniquely positioned him. And, and perhaps there's no moment in Moses' life that better shows us God's plan and his purpose than this moment. That's why I've chosen of all the passages we could have chosen to study together about Moses from this week's reading, I chose this particular text in Exodus chapter 3 where God speaks to Moses through the burning bush because this is, we might say, the iconic moment where God shows himself to Moses so that Moses understands that God has a plan and a purpose for his life. And what I hope that we will understand together this morning in the same way, is that God has a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. 
for each one of us. Now, his plan for Moses is different from his plan for me. It's different from his plan for you. But what we can say for certain, what we do share in common with Moses is that God has a purpose for us. And a part of that purpose is that God would speak and work through us so that not only that we might experience his blessing as we obey him, but that others might might experience that, that, that redemption story that we're talking about. Through faith in Jesus, they come to know the same God who's revealed himself to us. So let's read together in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read the first 12 verses together, and then I want us to look at some key lessons that we see here tied to this story of Moses. So it is in Exodus 3, 1, that Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mount of God. Now, just let's pause here momentarily just to say... If you've been reading or even if you just look at the, the maps in the Bible in the back of your Bible, that sort of thing, what you, what you come to understand is that Mount Horeb is a good distance from Midian. So Joseph, when he fled Egypt after he killed a guy, I told you Moses was a complicated character, right? And so after committing murder and fleeing Egypt for his life, Moses arrives in Midian there. He, he, he takes a wife. He, he begins to kind of put down roots and establish a life of sorts. And yet now here he is at this point, 80 years old. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, well into his life. And he's still working for his father-in-law. He's driving these, these herds of, of, of animals, and he's driven them to the west side of the wilderness to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. That's, that's out of his way, to say the least. But what we understand as we begin to really pay attention to the details of the story is that in all of this, God is working, and God is leading him for this moment, for this key encounter that's about to take place. God has brought Moses to this mountain in this moment that he might speak to him and change the course, the trajectory of his life. Let's keep reading verse two. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And so 
God speaks to Moses in the, most, in the most unlikely, even the most profound ways in order to redirect the very course of his life. I want us to see in, in this passage that we've read together this morning, I want us to see three key, uh, three key moments, three key things that are each tied to this bigger picture of what God is doing in Moses' life, but also what we want to understand that God is doing in our lives today as we, as we connect those dots. The first, we see the call of God, the call of God, that God calls Moses. Now, what's interesting about this particular situation is that it's the character that we see here in this burning bush. And so we read that it was the angel of the Lord. That's the words that we read in verse two. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now that's an interesting phrase. The word, the angel of the Lord, uh, in, in the Hebrew language, that's the words Malach Yahweh. And, and it means the messenger, or literally the angel, the messenger of the Lord. The last book of the Old Testament is the book Malachi. That word Malachi is the same word here. Malachi means the messenger or, or the angel. And, and so this is an appearance of the Lord. This is what we refer to in, in the world of theology. We call this a theophany, a theophany, which means that this is a moment where God takes on some kind of a limited form here. He appears in, in this, as the angel of the Lord in this burning bush. And so Moses sees a bush that's on fire, and yet it's not being consumed. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? That would get my attention if I saw a bush that was burning and yet not being consumed, let alone the fact that here it was, it must have stood out from all the other bushes in the landscape, all the other things that Moses could have seen. This burning bush, this, this, uh, this, this bush this, that's not being consumed, we understand from the text is the very, it's, it's the appearance of God himself in the flames of the fire, in the bush. We, we, we understand that throughout this journey of the Exodus that we're going to see that God often would lead the people as the pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke. If you know the story of on the other side of the Exodus, that's how God would go before his people. We'll hear the same God, the same theophany, the same appearance of God. And God speaks to Moses. He calls to him, Moses, Moses. This bush, not only is this bush burning, but this bush knows his name, right? And he says, here I am. What, a, what an odd thing this was. And God instructs him, take off your sandals for the place in which you're standing is holy ground. Now, part of the reason that we know that this is the Lord and not just the flames of fire is, for instance, like in verse 4, it says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. So the details of the story help us to understand that this is God himself appearing through this burning bush to speak to Moses. Why? That's a real question there. Why? Why is God appearing in the flames of fire in a burning bush and calling Moses? Well, God has a purpose, of course, right? God has a plan for Moses' life. But the first part of that, the first element of that that I want us to see is God's call. God called to Moses. God called out to him. And oftentimes when we think of the call, we think of what God wants us to do. So when we think of the call, we think of the calling, right? We think of, oh yeah, I'm supposed to fill in the blank, right? I'm the pastor of this church. And so when we think of the call, you might think, oh yeah, well, Michael is called to be the pastor of First Baptist Church. I am. 
Uh, I am. You called me. In fact, this last week was 12, on January the 16th, which was last Monday, was 12 years to the day that I preached in what we call view of call to be pastor at First Baptist Church. And so for 12 years now, I've been serving in this role, called of God to lead you to help shepherd this body in this congregation. But the call itself is different, is distinct from the calling. And that's what I want us to understand for a moment. Because before we can really talk about the call, and we will in a mission, in a minute. I want us to understand the call itself, that God is speaking to Moses, that he's calling out to him. And God is trying to get Moses's attention in order that he might align Moses's life and, and, and Moses's mission, if you will, with God's purpose for him. And if we're going to, if we're going to learn from this lesson, how God wants to move in our lives, we have to understand that God has a purpose for our lives as well. But before we ever can align with that purpose, before we can really understand our calling, we first have to respond to the call of God, that, that overture, if you will, that God is reaching out to us, that he's appearing to us, that he's made himself known to us. Now, he speaks to Moses through a burning bush. He speaks to us in different ways, most principally through his word, which is why I think it's so important for us to read the Bible and study the Bible together is because God will use his word to call to you. God will use his word to lead you closer to him. The point of the call, the point of the burning bush was that Moses might have an encounter with God. And the reason God has given us his word is similar, that we might have an encounter with God as we meet with him. Someone said once, and I don't even know who, I don't know if anybody truly knows who, somebody said once, if you want to know, if you want to hear the voice of God, then read your Bible out loud. Okay, now that's a little bit, uh, you, could, you could misuse that, that's a little bit kitschy, but I under, you understand the point, don't you? God has spoken through his word, and he uses it to lead us closer to him, to understand and know his purpose, that we might encounter him as we study the word, as he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. God is speaking to Moses here. He speaks to us as well. Now, to be fair, uh, it was Henry Blackaby that first taught me this lesson in that great study, experiencing God, that God used the burning bush in Moses' life. He doesn't do that again and again. That's not God's normative plan for how he speaks to us. So don't look for God to speak to you through a burning bush because uh, I can't say for certain, I, I don't know the mind of God entirely, but God's probably not going to use a burning bush to speak to you. But I can say with confidence that God will use his word to speak to you. If you will study his word, if you will know his word, if you will dig into his word and answer that call. And what was the call? Well, the call was first and foremost to God. First and foremost, the call was for Moses to respond by coming to God, to encounter a living God in a personal way. And in the same way, God calls us to encounter him in a personal way that we might have an encounter with a living God. We sang this morning these songs about, about Christ. Praise for he, he rose from the grave. He's the king forever. Those kinds of things that we, that we sang. And we can sing that because we know it to be true because Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross, but he was resurrected on the third day. And now he lives victoriously, having conquered sin and death so that as we place our faith and our trust in him, we too we too may encounter a living God who speaks to us, who calls to us to know him. And so God calls to Moses. He calls to us through his word. The second thing that we see in this, this encounter, this moment, 
in Exodus 3 is the comfort of God. The comfort of God. That God uses this encounter, he uses this moment to show Moses, and by virtue of that moment with Moses, to reveal to his people that he has been watching, and he has been listening, and he has been waiting for the right moment to act. Look back at Exodus chapter 2, if you've got your Bible open. Look at the very last verses of Exodus 2, verses 24 and 25. These are the verses that preceded just before where we began reading in chapter 3 this morning. Exodus 2, 24. And I want to point out the verbs, okay? Pay close attention to the verbs in these verses. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew. What an empower, what a powerful truth this is that we see that the same God, the same God who, by the way, we, we know from reading that he brought the people of Israel to Egypt in order to preserve their life. That was the story that we saw in the latter chapters of the book of Genesis played out most, most notably through the life of Joseph, that God brought the people of Egypt of Israel there in order to preserve their life, and yet quickly the tables turned, and quickly they became an oppressed people, an enslaved people, and yet even in the midst of that, God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant. He saw the people, and he knew their Listen, if, if there's a word that, if, if you're going through a hard time, a difficult time today, you need to read this, and I want you to read this in, in a personal way, okay? I want to encourage you that as you read these words, that you, that you apply this to your life. God hears you. He remembers his promise. He sees you, and he knows. God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to do everything that you want him to do, and certainly he's not going to do it always when you want him to do it. But in his in his power and his providence. God has a plan, and he wants to reveal himself to you. If you will trust him, if you will walk by faith, he wants to comfort you with his word for you. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can just make note of these verses and look this up later, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3 and the verses that follow, Paul writes to the Corinthians, praised be to the God and the Father who comforts us in our afflictions, with the same love that he com- with which he comforted Christ. And, and so he's writing, telling them that the same ministry that God gave Jesus in his moment of suffering, he makes available to us. Think about that for a moment. God loves us, and he's made himself available to us to comfort us in our moment of need, in our moment of affliction. Look at chapter 3, verse 7. Let me connect a few more dots for you here. So we just read chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Look at chapter 3, verse 7. See some of these same words here. God is speaking to Moses now, right? This is God speaking out of a burning bush in chapter 3, verse 7. And look at what he says. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and then verse 8, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. God says, yes, 
Yes, I've seen. Yes, I've heard. Yes, I know. And I have come down. In other words, I am stepping into this situation, Moses, and you're going to be my instrument. God's plan and his purpose was to act through Moses in order to deliver his people. What a powerful thing that is in the, in the life of Moses. But here's where I want you to understand that God still works in that way today in our lives. That God hears and he sees and he knows and he came down in the person of Jesus and he suffered and died on the cross, a death that he did not deserve. And praise God, he was raised victoriously on the third day in order that we too might participate in his overcoming life through faith in Jesus and that God might lead us out to love others with that same love. Just as God uses Moses as his instrument, God wants to use you as his instrument as you place your faith and your trust in Jesus. That is such a powerful word. I have come down to deliver them. May we experience God's deliverance as we place our faith and our trust in Jesus. The comfort of God made available to us through faith in Jesus. So we've seen the call of God in Moses' life, the comfort of God, but then finally this, it is the commission of God. Now I told you that we were going to talk about the calling of God, and, and it is. I'm using the word commission here, and I'm using it for, for a particular reason. But when, when I'm talking about the, the commission, I'm talking about the calling, the purpose, the plan that God has for us. God has a calling for each and every one of us. His call to us is a call to himself. And then when we respond to that call, now we receive his calling, his mission, if you will, his commission is the word I'm using here. That God is sending us out in the same way that God speaks to Moses in order that through Moses, he may bring his comfort to an oppressed people. God is speaking to us in order that through us, he might bring salvation to those who are suffering as we place our faith and our trust in Jesus. It's the commission of God. The commission of God in Moses' life is pretty, pretty plain here, right? Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to instruct Pharaoh that he's to let my people go. And oh, by the way, when you do, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he's going to say no. But don't worry, because I'm going to work through that to deliver you out of the hand of this evil man in order that people throughout the generations may know that I am God. What an incredible story that is. Not just a story, though, that you understand this happened. God, this, Moses was a real man, and it wasn't Charlton Heston. Maybe someday when we get to heaven, we'll realize if he looked like Charlton Heston. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't, right? But Moses was a real guy that God really used to speak to a real Pharaoh to let his people go. And God worked in all of those things. In fact, in verses 13 and 14, we see specifically, if we, if we were to keep reading in chapter 3, verse 13, Moses says to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to him? What am I even supposed to tell them? That I talk to a burning bush? Hey guys, I'm here. It's me, Moses, the murderer who ran away. I'm here to deliver you or to tell you that God... And, and what if the people are to say, who even sent you? What am I to tell them? In verse 14, God says to Moses, and then notice that these words are in all capital letters in your Bible. I am who I am. 
That's actually in the, in the Hebrew language, that is the personal name of God. And it translates literally as I am, who I am. Oftentimes we'll say the words Yahweh when we're, when we're referencing this. Yod, hate, vav, hate. Those are the four Hebrew letters. Uh, Y-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H. That, that, those are the, the letters of the name of God. I am who I am. God is saying, you, when they ask who sent you, you tell them, I sent you. I am the existent one, the eternal one, the all-knowing one. God sent me to you. God has a plan, a purpose, a commission to Moses' life. Moses, you're to go to people who need rescuing and you're to bring hope to them. Well, God isn't going to, I don't think God isn't going to work through us. He's, I don't think he's going to lead you to go to people around us and, and, and work in that same way, right? But perhaps in a, what we might think of is even in a more incredible way, God will speak to people through us that they may know Jesus by faith. And just as the people of Israel were oppressed, just as the people of Israel were enslaved, we look around us in our community, we look around us in the world, we see people who are impressed, oppressed and enslaved to sin in darkness, in brokenness, in pain, in bondage, brought about by our own sin and our own, our own rebellion against God. And yet, amazingly, God has made a way for us to be forgiven and set free through faith in Jesus, if we will trust in him. And what's more, God wants to use you to take that message to people who are enslaved by their sin. How incredible is that? Just as God is speaking to Moses, saying, Moses, I'm sending you. I'm speaking to you in order to send you out to bring salvation. God today is saying to you that I'm speaking to you in order to send you out to share the message of salvation with others. The question is, will we respond in obedience to God's commission, to his calling for our lives? God calls us. The call of God is always to himself. We often think of the call of God as what we do for God. That's not the call. The call of God is come to me. Bring your burdens to me. Cast your cares on me. Trust in me. Believe in me. The call is to God. The commission is then being sent out by God, armed with the comfort of God, the ministry of God. That word ministry is another word for comfort. And so we're called to God in order that we might minister to those who need him. How is God speaking to you? And how does he want to use you to take the message of the gospel to others? First, you have to answer his call to place your faith and trust in him. Maybe you're here today and, and perhaps you've heard this message before in some other way, right? Maybe you, you've heard the gospel, you've heard preachers stand behind a pulpit and tell you to surrender your life to Jesus, but God is speaking to you today perhaps in a way that you've never heard him speak before. Perhaps he's moving in your heart today in a way that you've never experienced him before because God is calling you to himself. And today you, you see it, you sense it, you see him moving. Can I encourage you that you would respond by turning to him today, even as Moses turned aside to go see. May you turn aside, may you come to God and, and listen as he speaks to you. He calls you to himself. In a moment, we're going to move into a time of invitation, a time of response. 
And in that time of invitation today, if God is speaking to you and you're ready to surrender your life to him, to answer his call, then I would just encourage you to step out on the aisle as we sing and come forward. Our staff will be here at the front. We would love to pray with you. We would love to walk you through a prayer of faith that you would surrender your life to Jesus today as you place your faith and your trust in him. God may be speaking to you today. Will you answer his call? Perhaps you're here this morning and you've answered the call of God. You, you know that you've placed your faith and your trust in him. And now you need to be sent out as it were. The way that God is speaking to you today is that you would understand his commission, his calling, which is distinct from his call in your life, his commission, his purpose, his plan, how God wants to use you to share the, the message of Christ, to bring comfort, to minister to those who are in spiritual darkness. God may even be placing specific people on your heart this morning, and you want to pray for them. During our time of invitation, if you want to come, you can kneel here. Use the steps of this stage as an altar of sorts, where you would just bow before God this morning, and you would cry out to him, Lord, use me to take the message of Christ, to bring comfort to those who are hurting. I would encourage you to respond in obedience today if you sense God speaking to you, calling you to take the gospel to others, however he's moving. May we respond in obedience to him, that we would answer his call, that we would follow his commission to be sent into a world, to share the comfort of God to those who are hurting. I would ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me as we prepare for this moment of invitation. After I'm done praying, we're going to stand and begin singing together. And even as we sing, if God is speaking to you, if he's working in your heart, I would encourage you to respond in obedience to him today. Lord, we are grateful that you have called us from our sin. You've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, that we may be transformed by your saving power, by your grace and your mercy. Lord, we understand that's not, that's not because of something that's good or special or, or, or uh, desirable even about us. Lord, it's all about you and your power and your purpose and your goodness. Lord, as we respond in obedience to you today, we, we recognize that you're sending us out into a world full of brokenness and darkness. You're speaking to us in order that you might send us to bring salvation to others. And so, Lord, stir our hearts, move in us, and send us out, Lord, that we might share the message of Christ with others. All of this we pray in your name this morning. Amen.